You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is JJ Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Gil, my friend, looking forward to a fun episode today. We are going to take a little bit of a different angle at the draft. Uh, I feel like one of the things that sets our show apart from the plethora of quality Packers commentators out there is the questions we ask. I think we we do a good job of uh, coming at things from a different angle, asking questions that other people don't think to ask. This week, we're going to be asking the question, uh, not what positions do the Packers need to add this year in the draft, but what positions, looking forward, might they want to be addressing because of next year? Uh, I think that Looking back at last year's draft, last couple years draft, I think that uh, you know we missed out a little bit on some of the priorities that Gutekunst had. For example, when he drafted A.J. Dillon, running back, I think most people, myself included, at that time looked at our roster and said, why in the world would you draft a running back? We have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. They're fantastic. And, uh, you know, it seemed like a position of massive strength at the time. Fast forward to now, and I think we are very relieved that we had A.J. Dillon. Gave the Packers some flexibility so if they wanted to move on from Aaron Jones, they could have. Uh, I think that retaining Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams was never something that they realistically uh, we're considering financially. So having AJ Dillon there, not to mention just the fit with Matt LaFleur's offensive scheme. I think this is going to make for an interesting conversation topic today. Gil. Yes. I want to start off by asking you a bunch of teams. I think we're up to six teams now. Players have said they are not going to participate in OTAs, including of course, the bears and the lions. What do you think about that? Uh, look, I more than understand the concerns that players would have, certainly with the vaccines out there and the ability of players to get vaccinated. I think that that could certainly reduce, if not eliminate a lot of those concerns. I know the Packers, for example, have a lot of players that have workout bonuses. So that puts them in a, a bit of a bind and it's it's former Packer J.C. Treader, who is president of the uh, NFL Players Association, who is advising teams to boycott in-person OTAs and minicamps. So it, it, it's a tough question. You want to be safe, but at the same time, you want to get back to normal as quickly as it's safe to do so. And it really puts everybody in a bind right now. I, I would prefer that they go back to 
uh, in-person OTAs and, and mini camps this year, but it's got to be medically possible. And if it is, I'd like to see him try to do it. Well, let's be real, too. If you play for the Detroit Lions, <laughs> what is the point of going to OTAs anyways? What are you playing for? <laughs> Same goes for the Bears. Well, you want the paycheck. I guess that would be the reason. Speaking of uh, paycheck, our good friend Lane Taylor has gotten signed by the uh, Houston Texans. This would be their 30th free agent this offseason. This is as far away from the Packers strategy as you can get. (laughs) We will miss Lane Taylor. Congratulations to the Houston community who just gained a fabulous creator of fine barbecue. Lane Taylor's barbecue is legendary. And, uh, you know, good luck to Lane on that first half a game that he is able to play this season. <laughs> Hopefully his glass body um, you know, makes it through at least a couple games. Look, I, I love Lane. He's a fantastic player, an even better person. But every single casual fan knows exactly what his big weakness is, and that is staying healthy. He just can't do it. As, as you put it before we started recording, he makes uh, Kevin King look durable. Yeah, I mean, he makes Kevin King look like Cal Ripken Jr., you know? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> all, all joking aside, I like Lane Taylor. I like what he can do. I thought, you know, his story last year where he uh, took a pay cut to stay with the Packers, came to training camp, won the starting right guard job. That was a great story, which unfortunately ended in week one against Minnesota. And I felt very bad for Taylor. I, I certainly wish him luck. Stay healthy and, and protect Deshaun Watson or whoever it is that's going to be quarterback of the Houston Texans. One final thing before we hop into our discussion of the day. Uh, Jim McMahon went on a Chicago radio show this uh, this morning. And, uh, man, he just dragged the Chicago Bears through the mud. And for him to say, hey, the Bears are where quarterbacks go to die. And to <laughs> twist the knife even further and say that the best organization he played for was the Packers. You know, if I'm a Bears fan, that that's, you know, that that's like your your father bad mouthing your entire family. It just it, it, it just hurts. Who who do you think has been the best Bears quarterback that you can remember over the course of of your fandom in, in the NFL? Oh, I mean, for, for the Bears, obviously, it's it's got to be Jay Cutler. I mean. And, and what that, does that say? I mean, says <laughs> it's good to be a Packer fan. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, no offense to Jay Cutler. He was he was a fairly good NFL quarterback. But look, as a Packer fan, I'm old enough to remember the time in between Bart Starr and Brett Favre. And that wasn't an easy time for the Packers. But, you know, that was two two decades, 20, 25 years or so. The Bears have had it for 70. And that's a, that's all. A, tough situation to be in and that explains why they haven't won very many championships during that time to give uh, our listeners a little bit of a sneak peek we are working on getting a very special guest uh to come on no huddle in the next uh, couple months here hopefully providing that scheduling works out uh mr mark murphy is uh supposed to be appearing on the show and i'm debating whether we should ask him if the packers are planning to retire Jay Cutler's number and uh, <laughs> put up a statue of him. Curly Lambeau, Vince Lombardi, you know. <laughs> Jay Cutler. Jay the, Cutler. No, one of the one of the uh, most profitable quarterbacks for the Packers. All right, let's quit screwing around here. Let's look at uh, the roster as it'll be 
next year. Um, we're we're going to start by looking at uh, 2022 free agents here. Most notably, every single wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> They're, Literally the top, every wide receiver. The top five on the depth chart are all not under contract for 2022. Now, supposedly they're negotiating with Devontae Adams. That is, you know, all indications are they they both sides want to get a, an extension done. But until it's done, it ain't it ain't over till it's over, as they say. Right. Wide receiver. I think that's like the lowest hanging fruit to say the Packers are going to be interested in adding depth there because of all the free agents they have next year. I mean, consider this. If they don't add anybody and you are one of these free agent wide receivers, it's you or a different free agent wide receiver. That's a lot of bargaining power for your agent. Uh, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time here on wide receiver, but as far as starters go in 2021, it's not a massive priority to me to add depth there. But for guys who are going to be back in 2022, I think the Packers would like to bring in some young blood. Uh, the The wide receiver room is actually relatively old. Um, Twenty, we have uh, three 26 year olds, two 26 year olds. Sorry, uh, EQ and Jawan Winfrey are both 26. Everybody else is between the ages of 27 and 30, so not the youngest wide receiver room out there. And, you know, obviously some of these guys you could bring back for cheap, but there's also the question of, you know, do you want them to come back for cheap? So (laughs) move on from wide receiver here to some of the more interesting positions because let's be real. We've been talking about wide receiver for two straight years or longer than that. (laughs) This is a recording. Here's an interesting one that I want to touch on. Let's look at edge rusher. This one is complicated because the question of who is under contract is not necessarily the relevant question because both of the Smith bros are under contract, and that is not a guarantee that they are going to still be around next year. Their cap hit. Both of those guys' cap hit is colossal. You save a lot of money by moving on from both of them. How surprised would you be if the Packers took an edge rusher in the first uh, two rounds this year, maybe even three rounds this year, to pair with Rashawn Gary to give themselves flexibility to move on from both Smith brothers next year? How surprised would you be? Um, The third round, I might be less surprised. The first two rounds, I would be surprised. I also think they will find a way to extend Zadarius Smith, if they can make the numbers work. I think Preston Smith, unless he returns to his 2019 form, is probably gone uh, after this year. But uh, I, I mean, it, I don't think they want to move away from Zadarius Smith just yet, even though the cap hit right now uh, would be very big if they keep him around past next year. If they were to keep both of these guys, Zadarius counts for almost $30 million. Preston counts for almost $20 million. To have be wrapping up $50 million in those two guys, that's just not going to happen. No, no way. They're either getting extensions or they're getting cut. Correct. One of those two options. If the Packers move on from Preston, do you think they're comfortable with just 
Zadarius, who has also been extended for a lower uh, cap hit, and Rashawn. Or do you think they're going to? Do you think they're still going to try and add somebody early-ish who can be a big contributor? Because, I mean, okay, Rashawn replacing Preston. I think everybody would agree that's an upgrade. But then, who do you have behind them? We know that the Packers want to have at least three guys because, you, I mean, you rotate guys. You don't have Zedarius out there every single snap. Uh, you know, when when he <laughs> when he even is just playing most snaps, the camera cuts over to him, you know, huffing on his oxygen, <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to stay conscious, um, you know, so he can get back in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at a third, fourth, or fifth round pick when you you start talking edge. Uh, I think there are other priorities that are a little bit higher that have a little bit more of an immediate need, but I think it's definitely something that you have to take into consideration. And, and edge is one of those positions where you always need more of them. It's such a vital position on defense. So I think it'll be a priority, but not the priority heading into next year. Interesting. I'm not sure. I agree. I think, I think the Packers might, if the right guy is available, I, I could see them easily going in the first three rounds. If not this year, then certainly next year. I mean, look, behind Zadarius and Rashawn, you have Jonathan Garvin, a seventh-round pick, and then you got three guys who are not under contract. It would be Randy Ramsey, Tipicalea, and Delonte Scott. And that's it. Of those four guys, I would say you maybe feel good about one of them contributing right. in a in a big way. Maybe one. Right. So, I mean, that, that's a that's a massive step back from where they've been the last two years with the boat with two Smiths and Gary. Mm-hmm. No, no question. They're going to need reinforcements. No question. All right, let's move on from edge rusher. I I, I think. It's safe to say we kind of disagree on that one, but uh, wide receiver, we see eye to eye on there. We we think they would like to add somebody there to um, give themselves flexibility next year. Edge rusher is an interesting one to keep talking about. We'll have to see what they do in the draft. Let's look at um, another position that kind of feels like a position of strength right now. Tight end. We got a lot of tight ends right now question is how many of them are going to be contributors this year how many of them are going to be back next year so you got robert tunyon mercedes lewis if you're if you're banking on mercedes lewis coming back i think you're crazy (laughs) i said that last year too though well but i mean i'm just mercedes is uh you know he's a year-to-year case to plan for him to be here next year I think is is foolish. If he ends up being able to come back next year and wants to and will play for a reasonable amount of money, then great. Although, um, you know, looking at his numbers, I think that he is maybe a little bit overly beloved by fans compared to what his actual production is, but that's neither here nor there. Robert Tunyon. The, okay, Tunyon is an interesting case because I would argue that he's overperforming. I think you look at the number of touchdowns he got last year. I don't think it matches how he played. Certainly, you know, just the the percentage of his catches that were touchdowns 
seem he seems like a prime regression candidate and a lot of you know he he would disappear for multiple games at a time just not even show up at all wouldn't contribute at all and then he'd have a big game where he had a touchdown or two touchdowns and to me I'm looking at Tunyon as I think I think a, a big chunk of his um production there had something to do with being overlooked by opposing defenses. What, what's your take on Tunyon? Uh, somewhere in the middle. I, I mean, when when you talk about Tunyon, here's the thing that jumps out at me. He took a big step forward last year. I mean, that was his breakout season. No question about that. But the one number that jumps out at me with Tunyon is his catch percentage. And if you head over to profootballreference.com, to me, that's always a telling statistic. And his catch percentage was 88.1, which is almost off the charts. I mean, very few receivers of any kind hit numbers that high. I mean, uh, MVS, who is inconsistent and drops the ball, was around 53 or 54%, if I recall correctly. But 88.1 is just very a very difficult number to duplicate. And, you know, in the past, his numbers were in around two-thirds, 67, 60, uh, you know, 68, something around that percentage. Let's even say he goes back to 75%. That, you know, it, he's not going to put up the kind of numbers that he did. Now, just as a comparison, Devontae Adams' catch percentage last year was 72. So that that that'll tell you just, you know, just how good uh that catch percentage was for Tunyon. And mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, it was 77%. Uh, 72 was during the playoffs. But even so, I, I don't expect him to duplicate that. So I think there will be a regression from Tunyon next year. I don't know if it'll be a severe regression, but I don't think we're going to see as many catches and as many touchdowns as we did. Plus, if Sternberger is healthy, if De, if uh, DeGuara is healthy, I think you're also going to see fewer snaps for Tunyon as a result of that. So uh, I, I see regression, but I don't see it being like, oh my God, he's going to stink. Uh, I just think that you know, last year the stars kind of aligned a little bit for him. Yeah, and so let's let's bring this around to the question is, are you going to pay him? And I think looking at the production that he got last year, Robert Tunyon is going to feel probably like he deserves a pretty hefty payday. I am not at all questioning whether he's worth what he's been paid. There's no question that uh, we're getting a lot of value for what we're paying for him right now, but you know, is is he worth, I mean, he's probably going to want to be a top five highest paid tight end, you know, in the league. Uh, I, I don't think he's worth that. And, and, and look, so PFF has him graded as just slightly below good. Um, you know, he's, he's at the hot, very high end of average. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you consider the, the breaking point to be, you know, 70 is where you would consider him to be a really good player. Um, you know, 60 is average. He's at 68 for this past season. Also looking at the numbers you were mentioning earlier. So he, 21% of his, 
receptions went for touchdowns. That's a little high. That's a lot. You high. mentioned <laughs> you mentioned his catch percentage, eighty eight percent. That is really good. Fifty nine targets, fifty two receptions. Uh, the previous year, I almost said last year, but you know now it's two years ago. So yes. we're in the twenty twenty one season already. He had fifteen targets and ten receptions and one touchdown. Yeah, much smaller sample so, size, obviously. And in in twenty eighteen, he was basically the same player that he was then in twenty nineteen. 2020 he explodes so you know is 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 his 2020 production here to stay looking at how pff graded him on a snap to snap basis i would argue there's not much to support the idea that the production he was getting in 2020 is sustainable you know his the the way he's playing the quality to which he's playing on a snap to snap basis does not support that you know the argument that he's going to have that sustained production going forward especially if you know defenses are focusing on him uh and and prepared to uh you know actually be covering him for real this time and not leave him wide open like he was on many of his touchdowns last year right so bringing this all back i just really question whether tunyon is going to want more money than what he's actually worth he might and I think a lot of it is going to depend on how he performs in 2021. If he does duplicate what he did last year. Uh, that's a game changer. Then, yeah, that's a game changer. If he falls off significantly, that is a game changer as well. So uh, I, I think the, that it is probably a 50-50 shot that he's signing a long-term extension with the Packers sure. after the 2021 season. And the the problem is... Because of the injuries to DeGuara and to Sternberger and the age of Mercedes Lewis, uh, we don't know what kind of depth we have behind him as far as long-term yep. commitments yep. are concerned. So to me, tight end is, uh, it's a crowded room. There's depth there. But as far as long-term future is concerned, a lot of questions and and we need to get more data before we can reach significant answers in that area here is my position i think fans would be furious if we took a you know let's say another third round tight end yes i think they would say you we have so many freaking tight ends on this roster what are you doing and i think listen if you are a packers fan you should brace yourself because taking a tight end this year actually makes a lot of sense and it, it, it kind of sucks for this year because you'll have you know as of right now like eight tight ends on the roster if they <laughs> keep uh dominique daphne who i'm sure they will uh and, and dax raymond i think they're not bringing back john lovett though i think he's they let him go him. yeah they let him go so so that would be seven tight ends on the roster uh oh i've got uh, isaac nada he's on there so eight and i'm sure they'll sign a undrafted free agent or two to boot so probably yeah and and keep in mind how long it takes for a tight end to develop. It usually usually you don't get any kind of good production from them for three years. So mm-hmm. if you draft if you draft a, a guy, let's say in the th- second or third round this year, I think fans are going to lose their minds. And I just want to on record as uh, this episode is going to go live on April sixteenth, twenty twenty one. As of April sixteenth, twenty twenty one, I think drafting a tight end this year is a good idea, and it's something that you should prepare yourself for i i would not be a little bit surprised if goody is looking at it this exact same way 
and again, this is not to say that I think Tunyon stinks, but let's say that Tunyon has a year in 2021 where he gets, I don't know, 50 targets and four touchdowns. Not a terrible year by tight end standards. It's certainly a regression from last year. Very realistic numbers. And I think Tunyon would look at that production and say, look, you know, I can point to X, Y, Z, why my job was a little harder this year, why it was more difficult for me to get get it done. I'm still deserving of being, you know, a, a top five highest paid tight end of the league. And the Packers would not be interested in paying that kind of money for that kind of production. I think they would happily say, hey, if you can go get that kind of money from somewhere else, go. good luck to you and thank you for your contribution. We love you. See ya. <laughs> I, I don't think they could afford to pay him that kind of money no. based on the way the cap is falling out unless, and I hate to even raise the specter, but unless Aaron Rodgers either reworks his deal or is playing elsewhere in 2022. And let's also look at the two guys we are assuming would still be the top of the depth chart if Mercedes retires and Tunyon wants to go get a paycheck somewhere else. Jay Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara. Now, look, I'm very high on Josiah. I think barring injury, I think this is a guy who can be around and be a big part of the offense for a long time. They have certainly been plagued by injury at the tight end, fullback, H-back, F position over the last two years. That position just keeps getting hammered by injury. I don't know if they're going to make any changes to how they are, um, you know, training those guys up or what. I'm not sure, but very high on Josiah Deguara in the future. Jace has certainly been a disappointment so far in his career. Now, this will be his third year in the league. Third year is kind of when you expect to see a tight end finally kind of take that leap. Also worth noting, Jace has pretty much identically followed uh, Tunyon's career path, you know, up through this point in his career. So if he, you know, is walking in the shoes of Tunyon, you would expect Jace to have a big leap in his third year like Tunyon did. So maybe, maybe you don't have anything to worry about with Jace there, or maybe he is kind of a draft bust. You're, there's a lot of guys with tight end next to their name on this roster I don't know that there's many at all that you can say with confidence are going to be here next year. Love Dominique Daphne, but give me a break if you're telling me that as of today, your plan is Dominique Daphne and Josiah DeGuara and Jay Sternberger. Yeah, no, you can't say that as of today. Maybe by the end of next season, you could say it, uh, depending on how those three players and how uh, Tunyon perform. But Look, there's a lot we don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they add a tight end. I don't know if it would necessarily be, you know, second or third round, but uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if they add a a tight end very early on day three. Last position I want to address here that feels like a big strength and maybe by next year won't be. Let's talk about safety. Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage are two of the best safeties in the league. Raven Green is gone. Uh, You technically have Will Redmond and Henry Black for what that's worth. Vernon Scott is on the team. Um, I have liked him in the couple of snaps that he's played. I don't feel confident 
listing him as one of our safeties that we really lean on. Safety is another position that I think you would have a lot of upset fans if they drafted a guy. And I don't know that a year from now it would still look like a silly decision. Yeah, I mean, boy, oh boy. It, it Safety is one of those wild cards right now. And the the future at the position is kind of up in the air. Unfortunately, the cap situation that the Packers find themselves in makes a lot of positions like that where, you know, they pushed money forward. And if you keep guys past 2021, it could blow up in your face uh, cap wise. Uh, it, it, it's tough. It is a tough set of decisions that this team is going to have to make at a number of positions. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask with regard to a general philosophy, based on all of this, does it make sense for the Packers to possibly trade back in the draft and accumulate more picks? That's a good question. Let's let's hit that next. Before we move on from safety, I just want to look at Adrian Amos's contract. See, he is under contract through 2022, and then he has three void years after that. So a little bit forget the void years, except that um, some of the dead money that you're looking at is just baked in no matter what because of the void years. If the Packers choose to keep him next year, he he jumps up from a $5.9 million, uh, we'll round it up to $6 million, Five point nine seven two five point six million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty one. He doubles to a twelve million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty two. I love Adrian Amos, but you can't tell me that him doubling his cap hit doesn't make him a guy with a little bit of a target on his back. That look, if your play drops off at all in twenty twenty one, they're going to be interested in saying, eh, "Well, you know, maybe we could replace you with a rookie." Yeah, uh, again, part of the issue there is that it takes a little while for rookie safeties to acclimate. Safety is not uh, as easy a position for a rookie to step in and contribute right away. Savage did it in 2019, but that's more the exception than the rule, and he did also make his share of rookie mistakes. So, you know, again, the possibility also exists that you can restructure or extend Adrian Amos, depending on how he performs in 2021. So a lot of variables, you'd, a lot yeah, of you'd have positions. To, you'd have to extend him. He, he's already, there wouldn't be any room for restructuring. You'd have to extend him. Right. You'd have to extend him. And, you know, unfortunately, what the Packers did to get under the cap this year creates all these issues that we yes. that you've brought up that we've been talking about next year and in 2022 and 2023 and, and, and so forth. Now, hopefully the 2023 cap goes way up because of the new media deals that the league has announced. And that may give them some flexibility to restructure some contracts or extend some contracts and push things down the road. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I think you could also talk about cornerback as a position that has a similar issue because you, you, you know, you know, the Packers will do the fifth year option on Jair, Kevin King is really, this is a one-year prove-it deal because there's so many voidable years. You don't know what you have after that. There are so many positions where you you really have to oh, say, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, all all across the the the, the team's lineup, there are positions that it's after twenty twenty one, you know, you don't know what's going to be. And when you put it all together, twenty twenty one may be the last time that this group, the way it's constituted, the core of this group, has a shot at making another run at a Super Bowl title. I I, th- I think with cornerback, I, I think most people are aware that that is an issue, even probably in 2021. The you know the, the safety and and tight end and uh, especially those two, but uh, to a lesser extent, wide receiver and maybe you know edge rusher. I think these are positions that you could make some comparisons to positions that Goody has addressed in the last couple of years, so that they did not become an issue. Um, but okay, you know, look, uh, going back to the idea of maybe releasing Adrian Amos, there's, there's also an additional risk there that, you know, maybe a, a big part of why Darnell is playing so good is because of Adrian Amos. I mean, you know, when we drafted Ha Ha Clinton Dix, he was a freak. He was phenomenal. And, uh, shoot, who was the, uh, uh, the safe, not not Sam Shields. Who who is the safety that, that uh, we released that we moved on from, and then uh, and then Ha Ha kind of took a, a nosedive. Help help me out here. What's oh. who's who's the safety who was always playing next to Ha Ha? Was no Morgan Burnett, wasn't it? It was uh... maybe it was Morgan. Yeah. When did we move on from him? Was that 2017? I think so. Uh, 2018 when we moved on from Ha Ha in the middle of the season, if I recall correctly. Uh, so taking a look here. Uh, yeah, it was 2018 in the middle of the season. 2016 was ha ha Clinton Dix's pro bowl season. Um, and then after that, it sort of, uh, did not stay so good, uh, as far as his consistency was concerned. Um, taking a look, uh, yeah, it was Morgan Burnett, I believe. Yeah, it was Morgan. It was Morgan. And, and without Morgan, ha ha was very frustrating to watch. And I, I I don't think that that was look, I I think part of it was that ha ha was playing a little bit above his level Mm -hmm. with Morgan there. I think Morgan was also a really good influence on, on ha ha, you know, keeping him, uh, you know, with the, with with the way he was playing, keeping him more focused. And I, I just worry about, if you do have to move on from Amos, what does that mean for Darnell's play? Yeah. Yeah. And but, it, but, but also if you just can't, if that is not something that you have the option to do and a year, a, a year prior, you added a young safety in the draft who is developing nicely. Darnell maybe can help that young guy out and you're not stuck because you still have two guys that you can really lean on. I, I just think that safety is a a prime position where the Packers can be proactive and not let it become a position of weakness. I, I agree. And there's definitely a need for depth. I, I mean, Will Redmond is a great special teams player, but I'm not thrilled with the way he plays defense. Uh, you know, in coverage, he's a liability a lot of the time. So I, I certainly would like to add a little depth uh, with Raven Green not coming back. All right, let's look at um, our, our debate topic for this week is, is an interesting one. We were kicking around some 
fun things we wanted to do this week. And we have decided we're going to pitch our first three rounds of the draft. What we think that we would like to see the Packers do. You can make some trades if you want here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that you were interested in the Packers potentially trading back and getting some more picks. First three rounds of the draft. How do you want to see that go? Uh, Do you want to go first? Do you want me to? I'll go first uh, this time. Uh, I think in the first round, Green Bay moves up a little bit, maybe to about 21, 22, something in that range, and and trades away one of the compensatory picks, uh, like a third or fourth round compensatory pick, uh, and tries to get J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. Uh, He's got the size. He, if his back checks out, the injury checks out, he has all the tools. If he was healthy, he'd be a top 10 pick, I think. And I would love to be able to snag him and have him play opposite Jair Alexander for the next three, four, five years. And we should note that uh, for the purposes of this exercise, we are following the rankings of the draft network. So if they are projecting a guy's going to go at 21, as JC Horn is. Yes. We're, we're saying we have to trade up to 21 to get him. The Packers uh, don't have a compensatory third. They do have a compensatory fourth. fourth. Right. I think they might be able to get from 29 to 21 with a fourth. You and might have to throw a fifth in there as well. Maybe. Maybe. Depends on the team and the situation, how the board falls. All right. So you're trading up for Horn. That, you know, I, I, I get it. Horn is an electrifying player. We've talked about him on this podcast a couple of times now. I like him. I think I would kind of be interested in maybe trading back to try and get some extra picks. Part of that is that the guy that I kind of want to draft is probably going to go considerably later than pick 29 anyways, but well before probably our second round pick. Mm -hmm. So hopefully I can trade back into the second round and get some extra second round picks. But let's just say for the purposes of this exercise that I couldn't find a trade partner. I'm going to reach a little bit and take Christian Barmore. Christian Barmore in the first pick in the first round. I think this is not going to excite a lot of people, just like I think a lot of folks were not excited with the Kenny Clark pick, you know, to begin with. But uh, you know, no question that that was the right decision. I think putting Christian Barmore uh, next to Kenny Clark is going to propel our defense in a in a big way. Yeah, I like the pick. Uh, again, not sure if uh, they would want to pick him at 29, but if you trade down, I think it would be a fantastic pick under the circumstances, and I like the kid. I think he's uh, a talented kid, and he fits a need, no question about that. Uh, ideally, in the second round, I think the Packers look for a an offensive tackle. I would love to see Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. Uh, he He may not be available, but he would be my top pick for that second round. I think he'll fall a little bit based on, uh, you know, Michigan's offense being so disorganized last year and struggling. And the fact that some other positions may be, uh, you know, filling in some of that void and causing players to drop a little. So, uh, Mayfield would be my pick in the second round, the offensive tackle out of Michigan. So I don't know for my second pick here, if we were able to find a trade partner in that first round, I kind of have to assume that uh, we didn't just, you know, err on the side of safety would be nice to have another second round pick here, but you can only do that if you find somebody who wants to move up to where you are. 
So I'm going to take, with my second pick, I'm going to take Jabril Cox, uh, inside linebacker. This is a guy I just really believe in. Uh, very talented guy. Definitely maybe doesn't have quite the same ceiling that a guy like Zayvon Collins does, which is why he's not being drafted where Zayvon Collins is. You can actually get him at the back of the second round. Jabril Cox, I think, uh, as a prospect, is far and away to me the uh, best option at inside linebacker outside of any of the guys that you could get in uh, the early to, to middle of the uh, first round. There's debate, uh, you know, whether Zaven would even make it to the Packers at the first pick. I'm taking Jabril Cox for my second round pick. And, uh, you know, in a perfect world here, we did find a trade partner. And so I'd have a second second round pick as well. Um, and, and I will just say, if Jabril Cox is unavailable here, or if we did find a trade par- partner and we have a second second round pick, Wyatt Davis, uh, interior lineman, uh, offensive lineman uh, out of Ohio State, really does help shore up some of the uh, questions we have at center or guard. I think could be a really good fit. And uh, you know, Corey Lindsay was an Ohio State guy, so there's a little bit of a poetic symmetry there in replacing. Corey with Wyatt Davis in the third round. Uh, I'm looking at a wide receiver. I'm looking at Amir Smith Marset out of Iowa. He's got good size at six, two comes from a solid big 10 program. And I think would be uh, a good guy to start grooming uh, to, to have some kind of a role in 2021, but a bigger role in 2022. When, as we mentioned earlier, all of those receivers, their contracts are up and, and the position becomes a lot more of a question mark. In the third round, I, I got a couple guys that I would be interested in maybe moving up a little bit to grab if if you uh, are looking at them. They're still available within like 10 or 15 picks of you in the third round. Maybe it's worth giving up one of those compensatory fifth round picks to go up and grab a guy like Trill Williams, cornerback out of Syracuse. We've talked about him on the podcast several times now or tight end Tommy Tremble. There is another guy who looks like he might fall all the way to the Packers at the end of the third round, and if so, it's kind of a no-brainer to grab. Amari Rogers, wide receiver out of Clemson, uh, mocked to the Packers uh, pretty frequently, um, sometimes in the second round, sometimes in the third round. A little bit of debate as to where he would go. Hard to go wrong with any of those three guys. I think uh, if he makes it all the way to the Packers, uh, Trill Williams, I think would be my priority here. Uh, pretty good corner who I think would fit well with the scheme and corner is, I would say a, a bigger need right now than tight end or wide receiver would, would probably try and grab Trill Williams first, but would be happy with either of those other two guys as well. All right, folks, we're going to post a poll on Twitter. You can vote on which of these two mock drafts you like better gills or mine. And, uh, Put those to the top of our profile as we do always at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers. You can access it by visiting either one of us. Make sure you follow us both to stay up to date on all things Packers. You can ask us questions or you can also email us at askmillhuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.